expanding, expanding reality. reality. Welcoming back to the show, Etienne de la Boite Squared. Outstanding. It's good to see you, my friend. How are you? It, it is good to see you and good to be with you and your audience. Hell yeah. Well, you sent me the updated version, your fifth edition of your book, of course, Government, the Biggest Scam in History. You reached out and timed this perfectly because I just handed out the first one that you gave me to somebody who was over here just obsessed with it. He was, yeah, there you go. He was thumbing through this thing and I was like, you know what, dude, just take it. And then a week later, you reached out, sent me the updated version, which I love, by the way, the children now have uh, masks on their faces in the classroom. So very nice touch. Uh, And uh, just curious on the fifth edition here. Have you just thought about writing a new book? You know, it's funny. And so when I when I when I wrote when I was writing the fifth edition, the fifth edition was almost a year late because my goal was to really ex- expose the scam of the COVID, how they did the COVID, how the, you know, everything, uh, you know, how the, the deception worked. And as I began writing the section on the COVID, it, it kept getting bigger and bigger. It was, it, there was, it, there, it, the, the problem wasn't that there was like not enough evidence. The problem, there was like too much evidence. And I began, you know, massive amounts of foreknowledge, massive amounts of, of disaster capitalism, master, massive, you know, uh, you know, kind of evidence of criminality. And I eventually had to just stop. I mean, like people were banging on me like, hey, where's my book? And like, what's going on with the book? And and so I, I, I pulled everything, almost everything. There's still, you know, a lot, you know, about the uh, some stuff about the covid. But I essentially pulled it out. I released everything in a kind of a monograph called Solving COVID, the COVID-19 eugenics vaccine drug scam timeline. And we put that on our substack at artofliberty.substack.com where we expose the, you know, the, the, you know, my, you know, the thesis is that COVID was a eugenics program and one of many, you know, like an ongoing litany of programs that go back to the Spanish quote unquote Spanish flu where all of these were vaccine drug scams where they're pulling the same thing. They're staging a, a fake pandemic, creating, uh, you know, fear in the population, selling them uh, vaccines and drug scam and, and, and drug interventions uh, that they're, you know, behind in a, in a kind of a, you know, staged play to sell the vaccine and the drug scam intervention. The vaccine drug scam makes people worse, you know, whether it's AZT for the scam of AIDS or remdesivir and ventilators for the scam of the COVID. And then they point to the damage done by the vaccines and the drug scam interventions. And they say, see, this is evidence of this, you know, this pandemic that we claimed was going on. And then it's more of the same. And so, you know, I really, you know, took it back and I, and I created a timeline so that the, you know, the, the reader can see that, hey, this is a pattern and it's the same scam, essentially a version of the same scam every time. And then, you know, public funds are expended on vaccines. So we're going to hand billions and billions and billions of dollars to the vaccine companies for something that we staged with fake tests and a media, you know, kind of, uh, you know, media campaign. 
And, you know, the subtitle of the book is how intergenerational organized crime runs the government, the media and academia. And if you're controlling the media and academia, you can, you know, you're, you know, you're controlling the information they can receive, the population receives. And if you're controlling the population's inputs, then you can make them believe, you know, whatever you want, man. You can make them believe that dinosaurs chase around, you know, Jeeps on an island in the Pacific. It's, it's, uh, you know. It's ridiculous. It's fascinating, man. And this whole perception management angle to this is what um, is very, very interesting. And what's most obvious, to be honest with you, where, where we are now with it, it's just uh, boring and obvious, isn't it? Um, where where do you find yourself with the narrative now? Like, where where do you think it is? So, you know, it's it's funny. I'm uh, participating in an event called The End of COVID. Love that. You can get information on our, our Substack at artofliberty.substack.com. But there's going to be 90 plus experts doing 90 plus sessions on every aspect of the scam of the COVID from how they staged the, you know, the hospitals and made it look like there was pandemic conditions in certain hospitals, especially Elmhurst in New York, to the scam of the, you know, the PCR tests, to how to detox the vaccine, to how do we move forward. Uh, I'm doing a session along with Mark uh, Gober on really the scam of government, which is the scam, the biggest scam in history that makes the scam yeah oh fantastic yeah oh mark's Um, a dear friend man yeah yeah i just got to meet him i just came back from rebels with a cause and so uh mark and i uh when we when we filmed the session from uh for you know the end of covid uh we really hit it off and then we got to meet each other and hang out at rebels for a cause and i've just really really been impressed by him Dude. but uh but you know so so we're now at the point of where anybody that actually wants to know what really happened can go out and can figure it out like the you know the research community and the investigative journalist community the honest you know what i like to call the the uh, authentic voices of developing alternative media we've already got it nailed we know who did it we know how they did it you know uh and so so you know a lot of people unfortunately don't want to know how they did it and don't want to know and so there's a huge you know cognitive dissonance problem but like anybody that wants to really understand what happened and the scam of it and who was behind it you know, to a certain degree, I believe that that's public knowledge. You just have to go and look. Unfortunately, a lot of people don't want to go and look. Mm. You know, and I believe a problem is just an opportunity in disguise, you know. So with this, we were I feel given a great vision of what's going on here and and vision uh, of things that folks like you and I had seen, you know, to a certain degree and we're well aware of. I mean, you've written you'd written four editions by the time that COVID came out. And so it's one of these things to where it's well established, but I think it's so ridiculous and obvious now that it's so out in the open that it's meant to be, again, an opportunity in disguise. And it's witnessed as such rather than a lot of fear from more people than would have received that information before. Do you find that to be accurate, that there's some sort of emotional maturity that we've reached as a society to be able to take this new information in in a new way? You know, I hope so. I mean, there's a there's a uh, kind of psychological phenomenon known as the hundredth monkey effect yeah where you know giant where populations all come to kind of the same understanding at the same time as it 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 spreads you know kind of virally through society and i hope we're getting there 
to the point of where, you know, people at least realize the basics that the media is lying to them, that the media can't be trusted, that the media is being manipulated like a giant machine. The CIA calls it the uh, the mighty Wurlitzer and a Wurlitzer is, you know, an organ of many, many, many pipes that can all be played by a single operator. And so the, you know, the, you know, the, the, uh, the, this organized crime system, which includes the intelligence agencies, they can play the media like this mighty world, sir. And, you know, after you've been lied to by the television enough, you know, I think at a bare minimum, people are realizing that the, that, you know, that the television is lying to them, that there's, you know, that the government and the government is corrupt, whether, you know, I'm a voluntarist, I don't believe in the legitimacy, the desirability or the necessity of having a government at all. Come on. But one of the things that I've, you know, that I've kind of noticed is that a lot of people, whether you believe that government is legitimate or whether you don't believe government is legitimate, people are really coming to an understanding that the government in Washington, D.C. is organized crime. They are lying to the population. They're, the media is in on it, and they're transferring trillions of dollars to private banks, private companies, defense contractors for weapon systems that we don't need to go fight a proxy war in you know Europe. That that that, that they're you know fighting you know that, that to you know essentially to make money and to you know uh, uh, you know for a variety like a variety of selfish reasons that have nothing to do with the safety and security of the United States or the well-being of people in Europe or anything like that. And so like, I really do believe that, you know, it, that, that those two things are kind of percolating up that the gut, that the media and the government are lying and that the, and that the, and it's, it's organized crime at the top, whether or not you believe in having a government at all. Hmm. Uh, you know, I go so far as to ask people what their thoughts are on freedom. And one of the, uh, not, tests on this just one of the uh, gauges on where we are is to ask them about seatbelt laws do you do you ever talk about this like you ask somebody you know do you believe in seatbelt laws and some people will say yeah oh god yeah yeah they must be enforced and they must be a law and then i know that i'm probably just not on the same level of what freedom means to me as that person like i don't need to be governed in that way right if you're if you're running around in a vehicle that's um, dangerous and you choose not to have a seatbelt on that's different uh, by conscious understanding than to you know, just put your child in harm's way. There's again, a difference, a disconnect and an emotional understanding and maturity there. So what are, what are your thoughts on like the real legitimacies of actual freedom? So, you know, the, so I'm a, uh, I'm going to be speaking at the freedom under natural law conference that's coming up here in, in late June and the freedom of natural law is really, you know, educating people on what natural law is. And, you know, in natural law, there's, you know, five to seven, you know, transgressions that are obviously wrong. It's, you know, a, a murder, uh, theft, assault, rape. And these are all kind of thefts. Kicking puppies. And, yeah. yeah, kicking, well, which would be kind of assault, you know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, that, you know, and, and those are all thefts of some kind, like murder is the theft of life. Rape is the theft of sexual choice. Trespassing is the theft of security mm -hmm. in your lair. Uh, you know, and so all of those are obviously wrong because there is a victim. And so, you know, everybody can kind of agree. It's almost like a codification of, of, of uh, the golden rule, do unto others as you can have others do unto you. And almost everybody can agree that those things are wrong because there is a victim. Now, what a lot of people don't realize is that the word right, I have a right 
to have a gun or I have a right to freedom of speech or, you know, when, when people say I have a right, well, that also comes from the natural law tradition and a right is anything that's not a wrong. Yeah. And so if you're not hurting somebody else, it's your right to be left alone by government or by your neighbors or, or you know, whatever it is, as long as you're not hurting anybody else. And that's that simple system that even a kindergartner can know, you know, you don't need look at all of these law books of rich mahogany, you know, you just don't need any of that, you know, of this, you know, uh, uh, statist laws and ridiculous regulations and all of these things that frequently violate people's natural law rights. And if we had that kind of law system, if we had that kind of system of law, then, you know, we wouldn't have, you know, prisons filled with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands, if not a million plus people being in prison for victimless crimes for, you know, where there is no victim, you know, there, no one was, was, was harmed and a seatbelt law is just one example of all of the crazy, crazy victimless crimes that, you know, that, that, the, that, that, that they, they trick the police into you know setting their morality aside and using violence on peaceful people to you know to to you know to raise revenue for the government or you know to engage in this kind of social engineering where things are done you know forced upon you for, for your own good well when when they're forcing the police to do that when they're forcing the police to to you know to to charge money to people for a seatbelt law or to arrest them for if you know for seatbelt laws in the extreme which happens then that makes the policeman the bad man and that's one of the reasons that you can know that government is illegitimate and criminal and corrupt is because they're using violence on peaceful people for things that aren't really crimes well, what's more to that is that I have a high reverence for folks who choose to go into military service or to choose to go into voluntary service uh, in any respect, police, fire, anything like that. And one thing that separates the the idea from the occupation, I suppose, is the courage it takes to to be willing to step up for fellow man and your and your family really is what it's about. It's not it's not for uh, dying. You know, I mean, what's that saying? Nobody ever died for their country. He died for a flag, which is very, very different. So. With that, though, that understanding there, again, I have a high reverence for uh, police and we know quite a few of them, some folks that were in SWAT and did some really deep, awesome shit. And with those folks, they are looking at the news in the same way. And again, right back to what you said with media, media presents a uh, white cop shoots black, whatever. And in that narrative, there's there's something being spun there. But the truths are being pointed out in a way to highlight a distinction between race, a distinction between also uh, citizen and police, which is really peace officer, which is how these police officers view themselves. They're peace officers. That's the oath they take, actually. And so this idea of um, them countering this in a way, they're walking into this every day to where if it's a black cop that shoots a white, whatever, just for instance, then it's not reported as such. And so there's obvious disparities that are being clearly guided in a way and perception managed in that way. So from the perspective of the peace officer who wakes up every morning to do the best good that they can, they're now faced with that as well. And in, in the environment, perhaps, where they're surrounded by quite a few others that do embody the Nazi narrative and that do say that, you know, maybe I've got some medical mental issues, but I'm going to take that homicidal rage out with my baton on some person in the street rather than seek actual help and guidance. Right. I think that there's a definite difference in there 
all are represented, but the one that's highlighted is far fewer in number. I, I really truly believe that the one that will stand up against their morality uh, is far fewer in number and it's only shown to be larger on TV. And most of that shit's fucking fake and you know that. So, you know, um, I'm the founder a co-founder, one of the co-founders of the Thick Red Line Project. Yes. And so the, you know, like the Thick Red Line Project, we started this in the, you know, during the COVID and the lockdowns and the mask mandates where that where where we realized because we were doing civil disobedience and, and the police would come up and they would, you know, tell us to get off the beach in Santa Cruz. We were doing, you know, kind of, you know, peaceful civil disobedience. We're having we we're having beach parties. We we're reopening the beaches. We we're reopening parks. We were doing, you know, things like that. And, and encouraging people to say no to the to the tyranny of the lockdowns. We we're trying to get businesses, you know, to reopen. And so the police would frequently come out and we would have, you know, conversations with them and we'd explain that, you know, you can't kick people off the beach. You can't threaten people with violence to leave the beach. And that, you know, and, and you could tell that they didn't want to be going along with it. And so, you know, they would be like, yeah, man, I, I know this is all BS, but like, what are we supposed to do? And so, you know, we had a, I had a kind of like epiphany and I'm like, well, the, the strongest thing you should do is you should say no collectively as a department or, you know, or as the majority of the department or whatever it is su supported by the people that don't want you to be doing it either. You know, there's nobody here wants you to be, you know, threatening people with violence for something that's not a crime. And, you know, the police have the kind of the thin blue line. And so we came up with a thick red line, because if you're going to draw a line in the sand and you're going to say, I'm not, you know, I'm not willing to do, you know, be a bad person for a politician. Well, the, the where you need to draw the line really is victimless crimes. You know, and so if you're using violence on peaceful people for politicians, either to raise revenue or for, you know, some kind of social engineering scheme or, or whatever, then the police really do need to say, hey, we're not going to do that. Like that makes us, you know, bad people because we, we would be using violence on somebody that's not really causing harm in the world. And so there's a, you know, there's a mechanism, natural law, it's got, you know, thousand plus year tradition across multiple different civilizations. Like, you know, everybody, like everybody's got the golden rule. It's very, very, you know, like, like law does not have to be complicated. Law is very, very simple. In fact, you could even boil it down to do no harm. As long as you're not doing harm in the universe, then then everybody ought to leave you alone. Now, if you're doing harm, and so 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 the police should be focused on people doing harm. And so, you know, the, everybody loves the police when they're going after rapists and murderers and thieves and things like that. And so we were trying to, you know, we're trying to restore respect to the police so that they, you know, so they could have that respect again in their community because they were really losing it. I mean, they were really losing it by enforcing, you know, these mass mandates and these, these, you know, uh, these, uh, these lockdowns in the community. And so we were trying to help them. And, but the police need to help themselves as well. And they really do need to draw a line and they need to say, Hey, we're not going to, you know, you know, be, uh, you know, arresting people for victimless crimes.
Yeah, completely agree. And and you did that with that great example. And then now they're given an example of really what they're capable of. And hopefully they go back and research that stuff. And like you said, collectively, there have been many police agencies that have dropped their batons that sergeants will come out and say, you know what, we're not enforcing this and drop it. And collectively and in countries across the world, I want to say France did this as well and a few others, but just ones that I caught. Uh, and it's it's an interesting thing to see whenever you really boil it all down, that it's just people and it's we're all just here. I mean, ha- to have an experience at its core, probably, but really that there's a just a huge elaborate game afoot and it's easy to disconnect from. Or it's, let me say this. It's simple to disconnect from. It's not easy. And I understand that it, it can become so by empowerment with knowledge, which is what you're providing here. And again, the resources that you get. And I had it noted here to ask you about the Art of Liberty, of course, and the Thick Red Line. Um, and it's sort of a, you know, yes, do no harm. But I would add to that. My wife got me a shirt. It's absolutely my motto. Do no harm, but take no shit. Yeah. There, there's a combined element of being a warrior in a garden that's very important here to where you're not going out and seeking violence, but also you absolutely know and that you're a sovereign citizen and how to defend yourself should you need to. Right. And so this yeah, collective absolutely. empowerment is where we get the confidence to stand with one another rather than being reliant on someone to come save me or, oh, I can call a cop and then they'll come. Well, that hands that power over to somebody else. You know, like I was explaining earlier, we live out on 12 acres in an unincorporated city. It takes the cops 20 minutes to get here if they leave now uh, from wherever we are, uh, from like in route fast as I can get here. So we do things on our own out here. We're very used to that mentality. But Mm. again, I've seen that translate into my ability to call bullshit and to say no to the things that you're calling out on here, but also to empower others to do so as well. And also to let cops, um, uh, military personnel, all y'all, we're not against you. We're all in this together, but there's an empowerment in the wisdom and knowledge that Etienne provides here that, that helps us all out a lot. And again, to understand that we're all in this together, just with the empowerment and knowledge, because it it would like the system, whatever that is, the lizard turds, the organized crime rings would love for you to just to be in fear all the time. And just for the police to wake up every day with these scary stories and to walk in bulletproof vested up and kissing their families goodbye. And that's the mentality that those peace officers go into every day. And they're like, hang on, I signed up to be a peace officer and they're strapping on mace and all kinds of stuff that most of the time they don't use. But again, they're, they're mentally prepared for just this world to fight them constantly. And so it's, again, an interesting psychology, uh, but really to empower them with the information that you provided here is the way, you know, and the and the grace that we have to just talk with them about it. So I, I love what you're doing, dude. You know, if they would just stop the drug, if we could just stop this drug war, which dude. is really drug drug prohibition, which cr- which which creates, you know, doesn't get rid of drugs. It creates a black market that then, you know, is is uh, is um, run by criminals and creates all of the ancillary violence that that you know that that you know produces. All of that violence would be go- would be gone. All of the de- you know the the deaths associated with adulterated drugs would be gone. There wouldn't be any more people you know uh, you know teenagers dying because their uh, their drugs are laced with ketamine or or fentanyl, you know laced yeah. fentanyl or any of these other things because you'd be able to go you know like people that have drug problems would be able to go to uh, you know uh, a, a pharmacy and get pharmaceutical grade no exactly what they're you know shooting or smoking and there would be a lot less of it because you would take the mystique out you would take the profit out the you know the neighborhood drug dealer wouldn't be able to make any money anymore so he doesn't have the hot car and the bling and the cash to his career like hitler should have you know 
He yeah. could just go do something else. <laughs> well, and then exactly. the silly thing is, is like you could just grow plants and connect with cannabis on your own for all the goddamn reasons, dude. You know, but that would again crumble the pharmaceutical industry. So it seems that the government is in cahoots with the fact that the drug trade is what it is and that they're really in control of it, which we fucking know this at its core, man. You have such great information on this stuff. But living in Texas, if a bird is in a seed with like, let's say a bird uh, is in a cage and it gets transported here from somewhere where weed is legal, California, something like that. And it gets out, okay, in root and it flies around. Now birds, uh, seeds don't digest in your body. You know this, because you mm -hmm. shit out like sesame seeds and stuff, right? Well, birds do this at an extreme rate because all they're doing is consuming seeds. So they're just shitting out fucking seeds everywhere. So like it's the same way that our uh, pond gets new fish in it because the Birds will go land in uh, shallow water to drink out of somebody else's pond. Those eggs get on its legs and then it comes over to our pond. Now we have perch. Perch showed up here like three years after we lived here. We'd never had them before. The birds mm -hmm. bring them. But if that bird that had eaten the marijuana seed had come over and flown over my property and took a shit and a pot plant grew and some DEA agent wandering way the fuck out here is able to find that, that's an issue. And that's yeah. fucking stupid, dude. So I actually have a, a, a personal friend in West Virginia where a helicopter landed on their property because they spotted marijuana plants growing on the property. And now, now this one wasn't accidental. He was he was treating himself, you know, he, like legitimate medical need. Okay, would you know would make tincture because he was literally crippled with with pain and 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 it, you know was a was you know had a had a uh, landscaping company and was just racked with pain from all of the physical work that he was doing and everything. But literally a helicopter lands on this guy's property. And then, you know, I, I don't know, you know how much it cost him and, and all of the inconvenience and all, you know, everything like that. But like, we're going to, you know, we're going to harass people that aren't hurting anybody else. We're going to spend millions of dollars. We're going to fly helicopters. Yeah. We're going to have all of these people involved with literally harassing uh, patients, treating their pain with a plant. It's madness. It's, 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 it's madness. It is fucking madness. And then you think about that helicopter pilot gearing up and fueling up that morning. And then you think about all the agents that are hopping onto that helicopter to go kick the door into this cartel's place where they saw these plants growing. There's no recon in there. All they saw was saw something and then, yep, got it. It was it, like, it was, like it was like seven plants. It was like, not, like it was, it was nothing. It was literally just personal use. You know, it might not even been seven. Uh, it was either four or seven. But like, the point is, is like, we're not talking about, you know, it, it's just dumb. It's not dumb, the Escobar of, of pot. He's not, I mean, it's, it, it, you're right. And so then the question is, is this is silly, right? So it's all silly. And you and I could yes and each other. It's not silly. It's stupid. We know. It's and ignorant. It's dumb. It's truth. Dumb. Truth. Respect to the truth. But to that point then, where, where we are now, and I know where you are too, is yes, it's obvious and we can see it. But we also know that just yelling at it doesn't change anything. So we see it and then we can create from the template of what they wish us to have as an option of experience that we don't choose. You know, this Klaus Schandel Schwab shit, I say it all the time, that's just an option of experience. It's not an inevitability. And I truly believe this at our core. I say the B word believe very, very selectively. And in this place, I absolutely mean it. I believe at our core, we are here to create the place in which we want. And that all the things out here are simply options of experience. And the more you want to stare at them and complain about them, absolutely, they're going to continue to perpetuate. But where we are now, and I know where you are, man, is to move to the solutions-based part of this. So I'm shocked it took me this long in the conversation actually to ask you about this guy, but what are your thoughts 
about a dude named Brandon Joe Williams with the sovereign citizen stuff. Have you heard any of this stuff? I haven't. I'm not. Oh, I'm my first God. I've heard the name. OK, well, I'm going to connect to you either way, but I'm curious about your whole thoughts. If you've had any thought on just abstaining from the U.S. citizenship altogether to be a true American and what that really means. Have you looked into this at all to get out of well, the corporation I, that is the U.S.? Yes. I mean, I've looked at it like cursorily, but like my feeling is that I'm like, I, I'm a true human being. Like I'm a human being that lives on this planet and I'm not, you know, the in the same way that you don't have to be a crip because you're born in East LA or you don't have to be a blood because you're born in Compton or whatever it is that I'm just a human being on this planet. And I'm not in any, you know, any kind of gang. Now that doesn't mean I don't have great affinity and love for the people that you know that you know my neighbors and my friends and i have a you know like i still have, like i've got more of a connection to texas than i do to any place else that i've ever lived and i consider myself i jokingly you know call myself a misplaced texan but like uh but i don't have any uh allegiance to a political system in texas or a political system in washington dc or anything like that uh, and so I'm already, you know, I don't, I don't think I have to fill out any paperwork to be free. I'm, I'm essentially free. I'm supportive of everything that people are doing to, to, to you know, that, you know, to, to expose the criminality, remove themselves from the corporate uh, fiction of the, you know, the birth, the birth certificate and the social security number and the, you know, all of these things that are being imposed on them and being forced to, you know, participate in these admiralty courts, you know, where their rights are, are being are, 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 have been stripped away from them before they even walk into the dock. You know, like I get all of that. I'm 100 percent behind it and I'm supportive of it. I just don't do it necessarily myself, but very supportive of it. Got you. And I was just curious about what you thought, because allegedly we've been all unconsciously subscribing to this. And basically this is a way to unsubscribe from the emails. And again, it's one of the most American things you can do is unsubscribe from the U.S. corporatocracy. That's a cool, and, by the way, that's a cool analogy. I really like that. I'm going to use that. Thanks. Yeah, that's yeah, how yeah, I yeah, feel about it. You're going to love yeah. this dude, but this is the whole thing about it. It's basically you're expatriating. You're not, um, what's the word? You don't, uh, didn't, you don't renounce your citizenship. That's very important. Do not renounce your citizenship because that means you're not a you're not a citizen of the land or of the corporation. But the corporation, dude, all this is definitions. We're gonna have to go into that. I'm gonna we're gonna do a whole thing together. Just to go over it real quick. All the corporation shit is is it's all located in Washington, DC, which is it's we all know and own its own thing that's out of laws, out of time, out of everything. So the land of America is different. That's a native soil. That's very, very different. This Whenever you check I'm a U.S. citizen on anything, you're saying that I'm a I'm an employee of the state of U.S., which is a corporation. And then you have the state of California and all of it's capitalized rather than lowercase. Like all of this stuff means something, but it's all backward speak. And it's just shit because you didn't know better. Like that's all this is. It's like no fault of anyone's, but technically you've been checking a box you haven't meant to. And all it means then is that you just expatriate. You just say, you know what? I'm not all about bombing a bunch of families and I'm not all about kicking in doors and burning down compounds with people just living their lives. Like I'm not okay with that. And so that part of the land of America in which I'm very proud to be a part of and the people that inhabit it, yeah. I, I'm, I'm abstaining from no, thank you. You know, again, it's an unsubscribe button. That's all it is. I love it. Uh, can you still get a bank account? 
Um, that I'm, really is the choke, the choke point of how the organized crime government and the organized crime banking system have us by the by the throat is the ability to do commerce. Uh, what I feel is the ability to do commerce. What I feel that they've done a great job at is convincing a lot of us for a long time, and we're very much coming out of this hangover that it was that was our only option. Because again, this either or system is what we're crumbling here. So the thought that that way of monetary, like uh, we could get buttons and just start trading that shit and I'd be fine with it. We get a bunch of land, you lend things out. Cool. I'll pay you in buttons. That's fine. Like there's a, there's a ways in which we can just abstain from this shit. And also though, maybe play a little role in some capacities. But again, there are massive empowerment elements to this. As I'm going through the dude's course, I'm looking at the things. It's very compelling. It's incredibly compelling right under your nose. And again, it's just one of those things that's like a, oh, of course they wouldn't advertise this. Just like learning your taxes or something in school. It's something you figure out later, but they're not going to let you know about it, you know? But it's absolutely within your right. It's yeah, a shadow a parasite. The school, there's a lot of things the school isn't going to tell you about. Dude, fucking totally. There's a lot of value in the social structures. And I know you and I going into, you know, school gave us a lot of um, uh, social abilities, you know, to like hang out and be fun and be able to get social cues and things like that. And that was valuable. Um, but as far as like an actual education, yeah, I've learned most of that in the past 10 years, 20 years on my own, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you have to, you have to be a lifelong learner. You've got to be a self learner. You've got to realize the value of, of that knowledge really is power. And, uh, the school's not going to teach you that. In fact, the school, as I break down in government, the biggest scam in history exposed, you know, I break down the scam of the school, you know, there's a hidden curriculum. And part of that hidden curriculum is convincing you that you are uh, an American and that government is legitimate before you're old enough to really evaluate the logic and the morality of that claim yourself. There's an obedience component to get you to, uh, to you know, uh, get you used to taking uh, orders from uh, government officials and hierarchical command and control for the kids that go the JROTC route and the police explorer route and and then there's a debilitation component too, because it's going to be fluoridated water in the in the in the in the water fountain. It's going to be 74 vaccine shot, you know, individual shots, you know, to you know, for you to be able to uh, attend unless you understand your rights to to opt out. And and so uh, so there's this complete hidden curriculum in the government school system that a lot of people don't know about, and they're not going to teach you the trivium. They're not going to teach you grammar, logic, and rhetoric so that you have a firewall in your mind where you can realize when people are trying to trick you with language. Uh, you know, they're not going to teach you logical fallacies. They're not going to teach you, you know, a great many things that if they were even doing the basic job of trying to, you know, to raise you to be an independent, free-thinking individual, you know, of course you would give people the trivium. Yeah. Of course, you would teach people how to recognize logical fallacies, you know, but uh, the school is not uh, going to do that because the curriculum is being handed to the teachers, uh, you know, from above and the people that design the curriculum don't have your child's best interest at heart. Totally. And this is why I was, uh, I don't know if we talked about it on air or off, but the conscious parenting network that we have going on. And this is about this unschooling at uh, Simon Essler on the show. Amazing dude. Going to connect you with him. I have a list of people I'm connecting with. Too. We're going to do a big meeting here soon. And um, all, all of those types of things to where they're unsubscribing from that nonsense. So knowing the environment that they're placing their children in, knowing what we came through, you know, 
I, I've discovered this a lot in my own path. And so that's what I speak to here. But it's sort of our jobs to pick up where our parents left off in a lot of ways with their healing, with any of the trauma that was, <clears throat> excuse me, handed to them from their parents and, and so on and so forth. So like, for instance, uh, drinking in my family, I stopped it. I'm done. Two years ago, completely stopped drinking. I'm absolutely no fucking um, desire, but it's something I stopped where my you know, I feel that went too long in my family and everyone knows this to where it should have stopped by then. But again, same thing to enrolling your children and sticking them with all these things. Like th there are alternatives here and that's what this conscious parenting network is creating. And that's like what information, like what's in your book here again, guys linked down in the show notes, make sure you check it out. Uh, that's what we're talking about here is actionable ways to take this information and to go, you know, we've sat in the fear part of it for in long enough, long enough to say, you know what, that's motivating us to move and to really branch out to be part of our own. So that's my question to you. Do you feel that there is an element to this to where we can actually, as a collective, as some sort of community, unsubscribe from the corporatocracy that is the U.S. government and do our own yeah. thing in a way? Oh, yeah. And it's already to a degree, it's already happening. And so, you know, one of the you know, one of the things I updated in the fifth edition of, of government, the biggest scam in history is a chart in the back showing how many people pulled their kids out of the school system. And it was somewhere, you know, around 2 million kids got pulled out of the government school system. Now, uh, in 2022, it went back up. So, so like a, a you know, a, you know, I'd say like half forgot how the exact number, but like a half a million put them back in. But I think that, you know, that well over a million parents pulled their kids out and are now either homeschooling them, private schooling them, self-directed learning, apprenticeships, you know, whatever it is, you know, I mean, I think that that was, was, you know, one of the, uh, the best things that came out of the COVID is people are pulling their kids out of the government indoctrination system and, you know, homeschooling them where, you know, they're not learning you know, any of this, uh, this statist claptrap and, uh, you know, and they're, it's, 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 you know, I mean, so, so, you know, it woke the, the, the scam of the COVID woke a whole bunch of people up to the reality and the illegitimacy of what's going on in DC. And a lot of them pulled their kids out of the system. And so, I mean, I think that, that that's incredibly, incredibly positive. Agreed. And not that I see this as some sort of competition or anything, but one metaphor for it would be like a tug of war. And, you know, in tug of war, if you can get a little bit and hold it, you've gained quite a bit. Uh, and yeah. so with this as well, it feels that we've gained quite a bit here. And that that, again, to what you said earlier about the hundredth monkey effect, is it resonating out like crazy, like wildflower. I mean, wire, wildfire, rather, I'm thinking of wildflowers right now. Um, and it, it's just one of these sweeping movements it's so empowering but again uh, resources like yours are the reason that we are so empowered by this is because we're not doing it alone we're not standing by ourselves we're not the one to initiate the hundredth monkey we're joining in because we feel inspired by those that are also inspired around us like yourself man that's why you are the damn liberator dude this is great <laughs> you know so it's funny so you know what i'm what i'm trying to do for those that aren't familiar with the book is is the book is really designed to you know wake up your friends and your family your colleagues as to what is going on and it's how to take somebody from kind of like zero to 60 in the shortest amount of time 
And this is kind of like a cool story, but like the, so the book is backed up by this credit card size flash drive that we call the Liberator. And, uh, and once you have a Liberator, the Liberator's got the PDF version of the book and it has, you know, documentaries and short videos and important books in PDF and kind of everything you would need to get yourself smart about what's going on and the alternatives and the solutions and things like that. And so once you have a Liberator, then anybody can make their own liberator and there's a little folder in it saying you know how to make your own liberator and there's these little labels that you can print out and you can buy commodity flash drives and you can uh, make these for your friends and family and so i was at the rebels for a cause i was a speaker at the rebels for a cause event in nashville this weekend and somebody came to me uh came up to us and said hey I was at an event, um, you know, like last week and somebody showed up and dropped 15 liberators on everybody in the event and was like handing out 15 you know, liberators. And so it's decentralizing the ability to resist, you know, it's decentralized resistance. So everybody is part of the resistance. Everybody can, it can do just like a, if everybody just does a little something. And, you know, if making liberators isn't your thing, I just, you know, like, I just like to throw sand into the gear. I like to like pay with cash. You know, yeah. we can talk about some like solutions that I do, but like, you know, I try and pay with cash anytime I can. And I, whenever I, whenever I hand the merchant the cash, I always say something like, uh, you know, I'm giving you cash so you don't have to share it with the lying, thieving, stealing government. I say and, this with waiters and waitresses. Yeah. Cause I yeah, waited. Just a, yeah. Cause they don't have to claim li- it. A little bit of like, you know, a little bit of sand in the gears, just a little bit of sand in the gears everywhere. Um, I'm sure you've seen these uh, uh, gold backs. It's flexible, spendable gold. You know, it's a way of getting uh, gold into your community. So people have dollar alternatives. People love it. This is what I'm talking about. Waiters love it. You know, like like I'll tip, I'll jokingly say, hey, do you want to... Do you want uh, you want your tip in uh, paper or gold? And they always say gold, and then they they're thinking I'm kidding, and then I'll you know drop some gold backs on them, and they'll be like, "What is that?" And you know, then you have a really you know interesting you know conversation. But uh, paying with cash is one thing that I think is like the easiest thing that like almost everybody can do, and then it has like all of these ripple effects that come after it. So number one, the merchant isn't getting dinged for you know one point seven five to almost three percent in some cases for that credit card transaction. The bank is being denied the 1.75 to almost 3%, you know, uh, uh, you know, transaction as well. Um, uh, the, uh, the, the business owner, the, you know, the local business owner, uh, now he can kind of keep more of what he saves. He doesn't have to report it all to the lying, thieving, stealing government. So now he's got more money to spend on his kids, you know, guitar lesson or his kids, you know, uh, a sports team or what, you know, whatever it is. And, and so then that, rip, uh, that ripples throughout the community. Now the, the community is sitting as collectively is sitting on more cash. If there was a bank holiday or a dollar, you know, a, you know, banking crisis. And so, so there's all of these little things. I've got an entire article, uh, about, you know, pay, about paying with cash and, and, and other things you can do at artofliberty.substack.com. But there's all of these like little bitty things that you can do, like just paying with cash that have all of these fantastic effects down the line.
Yeah. And withdrawing your business from a place that requires cash. We went to a Starbucks. Oh, we did that the other day. We walked, yes. we walked out. Walked so out. We were, yep. so my, my girlfriend and myself, and it was funny because we weren't going to eat there because they didn't have what we wanted anyway. But like we noticed that as we were walking in, the sign on the door. And so we walked up to the bar and we asked him a question. And then we, by the way, we saw a sign. Are you, do you guys really not take cash? And they're like, uh, no, we don't. And we're like, well, we don't do business with people that don't take cash. Yeah. And then yeah. we walked out. And so like, just like little things like that. make So they're aware. This, so, so they're, they're aware, aware. And that, you know, he's going to go back to the owner and go, Hey, I had some people like walk out cause we don't take cash. And so, you know, like get it through your skull. Like we don't, you know, we don't want that in this community. Yeah. And like you said, it's a skinoma uh, or just something that people let go because it's just ubiquitous or seems to be that using that form of tender is number one easier, uh, but also it's uh, going to come with dings and they're just sort of, ah, blah, blah, blah. They're ones and twos and they'll be added up later because the value, right? They look into these percentages. And so they're, they're missing out on a big empowerment key that they have there to not contribute. Like you said, energy in these small ways that add up really to larger energetic contributions down the line. Love this idea, dude. And so exactly to what you said about the cash thing, man, as well as um, if you're in, this is, I guess, just for the audience, at Lemonade Stand, uh, if you go buy the eggs from your local butcher, uh, raw yes. milk or something like that, um, you know, if you've got someone mowing your lawn, don't throw it to their fucking PayPal, dude. Give them cash. Uh, those people are going to then have to not, you know, like you not reported all of those things. It takes nothing to take cash out of your account. And to keep a little on you, I'm always telling my wife this, dude. This is something I've told her for years. Keep cash on you, always. And yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. one of these things, man. And so, like you said, I participate in that type of value exchange for the analog element of it, you know, for the real visceral, hey, this is something that's very meaningful that you and I can both see and feel in tangible reality. It's a exchange of energy between us. And it's more meaningful, I feel. Yeah, and, and you know, buy things at the local farmer's market. Uh, oh, yeah. you, know, to, you know, like nobody should be buying soap at uh, at uh, at H-E-B, you know, like you love can, H-E-B. Like, go, yeah, yeah. I fucking love H-E-B. I don't give but a I shit. Threw, I threw that in as a Texas I reference. I know you did, and I appreciate it. You don't have it. H-E-B up here. That was like, the B stands for butts. Yeah. Does it really? Yeah, Herbert E. Butts. That's the dude's name. And so they just said H-E-B rather than writing butts real big over everything as a also something you associate with putting in your mouth, the food, the groceries that feed your family. But I can, we I can, love H-E-B, dude. Yeah, 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 I can, I can see that. Like I used to like, I used to like Wegmans, but you know, like Wegmans was our, Sounds like our, something you uh, do with a wiener, you know? I, it is. And they, and they sell a bunch of stuff that I'm against, but like other than that, and, and then they all drag their brand down by promoting vaccination in their pharmacies, which drives uh. me crazy. Like nothing, like why do you want to destroy your brand in that way? But uh, you know, but like going to the farmer's market, uh, you know, spending cash there, buying everything that you can from the community instead of, you know, from foreign corporations, you know, these are all things that, you know, that are kind of easy to do and fun. Like who doesn't yeah. like going to the farmer's market, man? Oh my God. Like, we go, there's a ranch out here. My wife gets her raw milk from, and a lot of times they'll drive up to a central location and she gets it, but we've driven out to the actual farm and dude, there's just a building there and you know, they've got a camera, but it's just a cash only thing you put your cash in the box you take your milk out of the fridge and you walk out no one was there but it was us and the cows and like a shitload of cats and it was amazing man these kittens running around this dairy farm yeah. we're petting cows everywhere dude incredible and then we just took our milk and went home and contributed to this farm and we could see the cows that were giving it to us it was unbelievable and just for the people that are listening to us that live in the big city and everything like that when Down i the lived road. in when i lived well when i lived in in suburban you know northern virginia I was in a co-op 
uh, the, you know, you can find, you can find it if you look. Okay. And my, in my co-op, we, we were all, uh, in a, in a deal with an Amish farmer in Pennsylvania that would have a Mennonite farmer drive the milk, you know, like raw milk, uh, you know, fantastic cheese made by, you know, Amish, you know, farmers. And, and they had all kinds of different, you know, thing from, from, you know, popcorn to whatever they would drive it down. You'd go to somebody's house you go around kind of like to the, you know, the back door and there'd be three, four massive coolers there and you'd find your, you know, your milk and your cheese and your everything else. And then you would uh, put the money, you know, like a check or the money in, in the in, in an envelope and it was all on the honor system and nobody ever, you know, nobody ever stole anything yes, or anything yes. like that. And it was just great. But like a lot of people don't even know that that's an option that they can get raw milk and they can get you know, uh, trusted produce, you know, the Amish aren't using recombinant bovine growth hormone and they're not, you know, like, you know, it's like, like, but how will you be protected from the next thing that they say are blowing in on the wind? Well, I know. Well, I mean, that's, you know, that's probably the reason why, you know, that they weren't taking cash at this restaurant in Nashville was because, you know, Brandon, we are in the middle of a global pandemic. It's icky. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, one of my favorite things to this, and we'll just point out some fun things in the Matrix, is that there was a lady standing there, no mask. And I was uh, working during this uh, time period, refused to wear the damn thing. Uh, At some points, didn't have that choice. And so I'd be wearing the thing, of course, as shittily as I could. I bought one of the ones that was just a mesh. You could see me talking through it, but it was still a face covering, right? Kind of a thing to prove the ridiculousness. Anyway, lady standing there um, talking about how crazy this is and how scary it is and how she knows what's going on as she's pumping antibacterial soap onto her hands for a <laughs> virus that they're saying is running around your lungs. And I'm like, you know that that in my mind, of course, because there's no conversation that could be had at that reading level. I'm like, you know, that's antibacterial. That's killing the things on your body that protect you from the thing that you're scared of that's running around out here. Didn't even get into the size difference between virus and bacteria. Didn't even get into that it wasn't antiviral, all these things. It's just an an amazing thing to behold. And then I'm grateful to sit here and think, well, great. I'm not responsible for waking all these people up. I'm just simply responsible for being the lighthouse I am. Having amazing conversations with folks like you and empowering those that choose to be empowered. And then we can look at those things as silly and say, you know what? No, thank you. And we're going to unsubscribe from that. But you guys have a ball with it. Uh, I love, though, your idea of uh, opting into co-ops. My folks even, uh, they live in Houston. They opt into an FFA associated um, farm, uh, Future Farmers of America. All of your schools have them. And those folks will actually raise animals, uh, go to shows, and they love on these things, man. And then you get to buy, like they participate in about a, they'll get like a half cow, a quarter of a cow, and it'll last them all year. And so you opt into this quarter cow, you have a freezer, you've contributed to a little kid who's learning how to do this probably for his family and maybe yours in the future. And it's something that, again, that's a feel good way of contributing. There's an energetic exchange in that, man. And that's something I think that you and I are most interested in articulating the value of to people so that they're willing to take it up for themselves. Oh, definitely, definitely. And so, and, and, you know, again, it's, it's like a muscle. And once you start flexing it and you realize, okay, I just, you know, I'm just doing cash and all of a sudden you're feeling good and you, you see the, you know, you see the smile on the, you know, the, the, uh, the merchant's face as he gets cash instead of, you know, the credit card and, you know, like it, it feels good. And then it's, Oh, look how easy this is. And then like you go to the farmer's market and you have a great Saturday morning and, you know, you get food that you wouldn't have, you know, you get some of the best food 
that you can and you realize oh my god this is my community these are the you know these are the people these i i need to know my farmer i want to know my farmer yes. you know uh and then that is you know that's the magic of of like not only how easy it is but how fun and you're going to eat better and you're going to have a good time and you're going to meet more people and you're going to meet your neighbors and you're going to have more community and it just it's a it's a virtuous cycle and uh and and it just takes you know just do it if everybody just did a little like that's what I, you know meant by just like you know like throwing like little little bit of sand into the into the gears eventually the machine stops yeah we're dumping concrete in it though like it's a washing machine like on uh, seinfeld remember when kramer did that no, but uh, I like that analogy. Uh, yeah. I, you know, because because at the same time I'm throwing sand in the gears, I'm I'm also simultaneously over here dumping it in concrete. And that's right, exactly. And the way this metaphor is in my mind now is before the sand absolutely slowed them down, and now it's doing it to a point to where they had the opportunity to stop the process altogether, but they chose to continue to run the gears. And so now, if they continue to run the gears, it's mixing up the concrete that solidifies their own demise. So it's their choice as a system, as the global elite, as the scamdemic, whatever, it's their choice to continue to run the gears. We're opting out of it by pouring concrete in it. It doesn't have to settle. We know it, it, we, I was talking about this on a, you know, another, another podcast not too long ago, but like also, you know, in this world, you know, now in the information age, the people that are running it, the, you know, you don't really like, I, you know, I say, you know, you don't know who the CEO is. You know some members of the board of directors, uh, but you really, really do. We really do understand who the generals are, and who the colonels are, and like the the infrastructure of tyranny. And in the in the past, those people were fairly anonymous. Like you know, like only a very kind of tiny you know amount of people knew who was you know who was. Uh, participating in this tyranny and in the system and now it's kind of out in the open and now their kids you know their kids have to go to college with kids that understand what's going on and it's like you know like and and so now you know now it's kind of out in the open where you know where i think it's probably getting uncomfortable for them at some you know level you know uh, have you ever had a uh, heard of crow triple seven have you been on his show yet I haven't been on his show. Okay, I've gonna... tried to reach out to him, but I haven't been able to get a get a hold. Either way, we'll get a chat set up. Um, one of the things that he talks about on here was the sun changing, and this is a little bit of freaky woo woo. So just go with us on this: that the sun is physically different than when it was when we were children. It was warmer, it was softer, it was more yellow when we were kids, and now it appears to some of us to be more harsh, more energy intense. Let's say. Now, this isn't necessarily a bad thing, right? It perhaps could be that the lizard turds, the generals that you're talking about here, are being thrown into the light because there's literally more light here. There's more light being cast down with a different energy. And so these things are scrambling into more shadows or attempting to. But really, this is why perhaps we see this release or this everything being brought to the surface, almost as in a great psychedelic trip to where you're releasing all of the things that no longer serve you. They come to the surface to be witnessed first in the light so that they can be addressed and we can move on them with grace and love, right? So to this, it seems that said lizard turds, you know, are in this oper modus operandi to keep the thing going as best as they can, but that there's no need to anymore. Because again, the it seems so damn obvious it feels to us right now. And so again, with them standing up on podiums with uh, mask lines being shown with it being a different dude every damn time they're behind a podium like with different backgrounds in the white house and things like this all the silliness about it 
feels that there's just something bigger going on here. So to that, Crow said that maybe it's something sort of like the Jules Verne novel, uh, The Time Machine, right? To where there was a separation in the future physically. So where there were a bunch of awesome folks that were more in natural law, lived in harmony on the cliffs, you know, above and everything like this, more in harmony with nature and simple, no technology to speak of literally. And then underneath were these Morlocks or these, you know, subterranean people that were just completely consumed with all these, let's say, low energetic, low base um, intuitions and things like that and desires. And so there was a physical separation of these things. And this is what I meant about is there going to be sort of a way of pulling out of this to where there won't be we won't see it anymore. Like the politicians aren't going to be up there on stage because there's no stage to go on to. Nobody's there listening. I hope so. I hope so. I hope everybody, like you know, so I'm, I'm trying to be the guy that widely exposes it. I want to be the guy that breaks the camel's back. And, uh, and so, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm dancing as fast as I can. There are others doing it as well, but like eventually, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, what if they have a war and nobody shows up? Um, you know, hopefully we can get to that. We can get to that point. Brandon Williams, what he said that absolutely I loved and where, where I feel is, is that this is 1776 without the bodies, right? We don't need this sweeping revolution of yeah. guillotines in the street with, to make the sweeping change and unsubscribe from the fear narrative and just stop contributing energy to it. And it's as simple as that. I feel that we're all realizing that in mass. Because again, these things are being thrown into the light and it's like, well, you know, there it is. What do you, how do you feel about it? These choice points are just uh, moment to moment and daily and profound. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's going to be a beautiful world. And I'm, you know, like one of the things like, I'm, you know, really, really optimistic, you know, a lot yeah. of some people are pessimistic. I'm optimistic. I just don't think that, you know, you can stop the signal in the information age. And so, you know, it was all about censorship, but like, you know, um, every time they squash a new platform, a new platform or buy off a new platform, a new platform, you know, uh, emerges, you know, you can't stop, you can't censor somebody handing you a flash drive. You can't censor somebody handing you a physical book. And so, uh, so the, the, uh, the, you know, that's the other thing I would encourage people to, you know, to realize is, uh, the value of getting together with other people in your community and sharing ideas and, and, and having that freedom cell or having that Liberty group or, or being, you know, having, you know, trusted, you know, people that you trust in case there is an emergency, in case they do try something like a dollar collapse or a dollar devaluation or a false flag EMP or, you know, something like like that to try and stop this awakening that would throw them up against the wall, right? You know, the idea of, of, uh, of you know, blowing up uh, Nakatomi Plaza to cover their escape, uh, you know, like, like, should they try that? Uh, you know, you, you, you want to have, you want to know the members of your community, you want to know your neighbors, you want to have good relationships with, with, you know, everybody around you. And so, uh, so um, the more of that you have, the, the less that they're able to censor us algorithmically on the DARPA internet, because you can't algorithmically censor a conversation held over a, a backyard fence. That's right. They tried with that COVID shit, but they can't. 
You just can't. And that's what we really learned here was that it was leaned into. And like you said, with the tug, uh, tug of war analogy that we, we were talking about, that, man, we gained a lot of ground in there. And I really feel that. Again, not that I see this as a battle. I don't see a bad guy. But but to that, I do say see that there are a lot of energies that are a part of something that's really, really motivating in a very uncomfortable way. And that uh, to unsubscribe from that, but first to be able to bring them into the light with works like this, absolutely crucial in that first step. And so that's what I was going to say too, guys, is a, I don't know, just sort of a, you know, think about it. We're coming up into summer here. I know we are around Texas. It's going to be hundred next week here. So uh, we're already hitting that, but carry like 10 bucks around with you and perhaps a few of those liberator flash drives. And whenever you see a lemonade stand, you know, drive by absolutely contribute to those, that young man or woman doing that. And then uh, maybe offer them a liberator as well with some information, you know, the $10, here you go for this way over sugared, whatever the fuck. And thank you very much for it. You know, it's about, like you said, this uh, connection to community. And again, that that shows those young people that there are people out here who are willing to engage in a, in a society to where that takes place and, and one of kindness and respect and love, which is badass, dude. So my friend, we're going to cap it on this one, but um, government, the biggest scam in history, the fifth edition located it down in the show description. I'm looking forward to um, all the more conversations, man. We have so many more things to talk about, dude. And all the, of course, all the ways to find you located down in the show notes. So brother, man, Welcome back anytime. Thank you. Hey, Brendan. Thank you for all you do because it is a team effort. And so uh, much gratitude to you as well. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill